Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. I'm going to get Pastor Ali up. <laughs> so it's time for the Word of God. Let's give Pastor Ali a round of applause because it's going to be a good one. Got to watch a video first, so glue your eyes to the screen, watch carefully. It's only a quick clip, but it comes around twice. Here we go. Sound? The Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> Here it comes again. She has really nice legs. I feel like yeah, Little like Dora really the Explorer. <laughs> it's one of the videos that kind of gets worse. Let, let's do it again, but, uh, but hang on. If, if I just help you to focus in, the fact that, I think you can see it now, but She's obviously looking at this Dora, so to speak, is, is looking in at her workmates uh, and she's focused beyond. And she just doesn't see, she's so focused beyond she doesn't see the glass door. Uh, let's, let's just do it again, Claire, just for the fun of it. Oh, she has really nice legs. I feel like she's <laughs> yeah, she Little Dora really the Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way mates under the desk there just. One more, one more, here we go. Little Dora the Explorer. It's the way she's walking in, like all cocky and. I figured when I, when I saw that that. Our lives can be like that a little bit. That we can be so focused on what's ahead that we don't see what's in our immediate vicinity. And uh, it can be like that as a Christian. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You can, be, you, can be, you can be looking ahead at Jesus, and that's what we're told to do. We fix our eyes on Jesus and believe the promises and... and and believe that God has all the best for us and we can quote all the scriptures but yet suddenly we can, we can walk towards that and we feel like oh what just happened there that shouldn't happen or is it just me is, is there, has anybody else felt that in their lives sometimes it can be subtle sometimes it can be subtle and we're just going on our business and we're loving Jesus and we're doing our best uh, to what we believe God wants us to do and it just seems like oh can't quite push through feels like my prayers quite maybe aren't being answered or I'm not getting that breakthrough that I should be getting now I know often God makes us wait because his timing's not our timing but I'm talking this evening about something different I'm talking about a barrier that stops us from getting all that God wants us 
to have. And I believe tonight there's going to be breakthrough, that barrier, that glass door, if you will. And I want to help us uh, to that end. Is this the glory of God up here or is it really warm? I don't know. <laughs> I'll take the glory, but... <laughs> is anybody else really warm or is it... Yeah, it's right. That's a shame. You know, if you'd have all said, oh, it's freezing, I'd be like, oh, the Lord's here. Come on, just bask in it. Um, he is, he is. I know he is. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for correcting my theology. Um, so the glass door is the um, title of my sermon tonight. I want to take us back a few thousand years to the Old Testament, and I want to present, spend a few minutes presenting an image for us, because it's going it, to, I'm going to go back to present day and, and show you what's happened with this image. Um, this is the tabernacle on the screen. Uh, if you don't know what the tabernacle is, or you're new to the faith, this was where God dwelt. Tabernacles literally means, you know, God's dwelling place. It's where God came to earth and dwelt among his creation, mankind. And basically, it's a tent, as you can see, but it's definitely no ordinary tent. This tent, all the details of the perimeter curtains, the actual tent itself, the, the bits and pieces you can see around there, they were all given to Moses in an exact specific detail. And over a period of months, the Israelites, who were God's people at the time, would uh, built this. And it was designed so that it could collapse and be put up again. Because what happened was, if you don't know the story, God brought his people out of Egypt, which was a place of slavery. And he wanted to take them into a promised land, which was Canaan. And to do that, they had to move through the wilderness and if you like the the place of slavery Egypt was a place of not enough and the place of the wilderness the desert was just enough but the promise was more than enough and God wants us all to get to the promised land the land of more than enough and what happened basically with this tabernacle outside of the structure of it the main thing that I want to just get centered and rooted in this evening is the fact that God brought Israel, his people, out of Egypt, not just to the promised land, but primarily to him. Exodus says this, says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to keyword myself he didn't just bring them to the wilderness to take them to the promised land primarily he brought them to himself and this evening today and tomorrow and next week and next month and forever time that you're breathing oxygen on this planet God wants you to draw close to him there's a wonderful promise in James 4 8 where God says if you draw close to me I will draw close to you it's one of my favorite verses because I think it is so powerful the thought that by us little old us doing something that God tells us to do he, pro he promises to move because we move 
that's that to me that just blows my mind so God came to this place the tabernacle that's where he he dwelt and all of Israel you, you've got to imagine there's probably two or three million people coming out of a, a land and if you don't know the story they cross through you might have heard it at school or, or read the stories um, about the the Red Sea parting and the two three million people walk through God's people got them out of slavery walk through on dry land as well not just part of the sea but on dry land and then they come to what is the foot of Mount Sinai and if we can just show the next picture this is kind of what happened uh, you've got the tabernacle in the middle and because there's like two or three million people who knows there's got to be got to be some order there <laughs> otherwise there's going to be chaos and and part of that order is that God instructed not just the detail of the tabernacle but he instructed them, them to camp in tribes and these are the 12 tribes of, uh, of Israel. And what I find fascinating is that if you look through the scriptures, and if you're doing Bible in the ear, you'll come across some scriptures in the, next, in the coming weeks that actually you'll think, oh, I just want to skip past them. And they're just numbers and genealogies and whatever. But I encourage you to hang in there and look at them in light of this. Because isn't it fascinating, to, well it is to me and I hopefully it will be to you, that some tribes have got less people in than others. right? And, and God, you'll see this in Exodus when you read it. The numbers are there, you can do the maths yourself. They were all counted up. But look at the picture that is formed across. And this is what um, Bible theologians and scholars call typology. It's a foreshadow of things to come. And what we're going to find in the next few minutes, and I haven't got time to go into detail, and there's so much more detail I can give you, is that even at this stage, like 3,000 years ago, or two, certainly 2,000 years, I'm oh, sorry, 1,000 years before Christ, we can see the cross. And we're going to see Christ in the tabernacle. And if you put on the, um, the next slide, I want to just make this point. There's so many things in the tabernacle, but I want to make the point that God is in the tent he's in the back of that tent at that time he's li literally God creator of the universe the cosmos is in that tent that to me is amazing and what we see is these arrows that the, they basically I want to make there's so much I could say here but I want to make the point that there was that there's a progression towards God and metaphorically we're all somewhere along one of those arrows and I want to make helpers to to intentionally move forward tonight into a new place in God and we start on the right hand side there and you'll see it's called the kind of gate the doorway it's actually just a curtain on rails and that's the only entry point to this tabernacle and so is the same with Jesus Jesus came and he said I am the way I am the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to Father God except through me. This is a very elitist statement, and I'm glad it is, because it's true. There's only one way. And Jesus also said at one time, he says, he says, I'm the truth, the way, and the life. He is the way. He came one time, he says, I'm a door, or your version might say, I'm a gate. I just love that. How simple is that? and the gate there's only one way through and so with the tabernacle we see there's only one entry point there and then once you get 
through, you've got to understand that all of these millions of Israelites camp around the tabernacle. They are like you and me. They have the capability to sin, to do wrong. Whether in our thinking there's an extremity of, say, murder, there might be adultery over here, um, there might be uh, thieving, there might even be anger or lust. They're all sin. Sin is sin. We grade them, but sin is sin. And when we think about God, God is a perfect God. Absolutely perfect. There's no blemishes on God. He's totally clean, totally perfect, totally holy. So even if you're like a 99% human being in terms of godliness and goodness, cannot be cannot come right close to a perfect God just can't happen and that's why thank God and we've been talking about this the last last few weeks is that God's spirit comes into our spirit remember we are spirit we have a soul we live in a body and God's capital S spirit comes into our little S spirit and lives amongst us that is amazing because that's not what happened in the Old Testament what happened in the Old Testament was that if you did wrong, whatever you, wherever you were on that scale, you had to bring your, one of your own animals that you probably lived off, and you would have to take it to be sacrificed on that altar, the, fir- the end of that first arrow, the brazen altar, an altar made out of brass, well, wood, but brass coatings. And there would be priests like the vicars of the day, if you like, the ministers of the day, and they would be there to take your goat and you would lay your hands on, on the goat or, or whatever the sacrifice was and you would put your sin on them and then they would be sacrificed and it would be a sweet smelling aroma to God. Why? Because suddenly you were clean again. You were able to enjoy God's presence, albeit at a distance, but he was there. Uh, and then that other bit of furniture there, if you want for a better term, is um, a laver. It's like a basin, a big, a big basin where um, the priests would wash before they would go into the actual tent where God was. And, and I would just say this, even though Jesus is the gate, I think the symbology here is that Jesus was our sacrifice once and for all. No longer do we have to, Hebrews talks about this, no longer do we have to sacrifice animals um, to have our sins taken away but the penalty of every sin if you're in Christ now and you've accepted Christ you've come through the gate you've said I believe in you Christ in my heart I believe and in that you accept that Jesus Christ was hung on a cross took on the sins of all of mankind for for all past everything in the present and everything every sin that is going to happen in the future was put on Christ on that cross and he was a sacrifice the Bible says once and for all time so right now if you have accepted Jesus Christ in your life every time you do something wrong God does not like it and it displeases him to a degree but there is no penalty there is no penalty for your sin because it's already been taken that's why the Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ because if you're feeling condemned after you sin that is not God that is the devil that is the enemy 
because such a beautiful but tragic at the same time thing has taken place that God in the form of Jesus Christ has taken away the penalty of your sin and I think the the, the bowl the basin could represent baptism so you have a repentance and a baptism that's what the bible says in the new covenant the new testament repent and be baptized repent and be baptized repent and be baptized i believe it's a wonderful symbolism typology is one of the words that that people use a foreshadow of christ and then you move into the tent itself and the tent has got two sections to it i don't know whether i've got the picture just just put the next one up claire for me um, this is the first section. If you like, the tent was split into, it was kind of like a large garage kind of size, uh, long and thin. I think it was something like 45 feet long, 15 feet wide, that's right. And, and the first section, and then the second smaller section is behind those curtains. This is what you see here is the holy place. That sounds good, doesn't it? Who would like to be in the holy place? If you're in Jesus Christ, you're in the holy place you've got Christ living inside of you God's spirit living inside of you you're there and we haven't got time to to talk about what's going on here but you can clearly see you've got three three things here uh, you've got a lampstand I believe that's um, pertinent to the, the the life of the spirit uh, inside of us and the priest would go in uh, two times a day and they would trim the wicks and they would refill the tops of the seven candlesticks with oil. And uh, I think that just speaks of how we need to be continually filled with the Spirit in our lives. You know, we need to be filled with the oil of gladness and the power of God. And then you've got what's called the showbread on the right-hand side there. Uh, Twelve loaves that could uh, depict the 12 tribes of Israel. Twelve in the Bible is a number of completeness. But the bread speaks... Um, of provision and interestingly there's wine with the bread so you can see what's going on there potentially bread and wine communion uh, just just being at one with Christ and being in fellowship with Jesus so we've got um, kind of the life of Christ there on the left the life and the spirit there and um, the altar the little altar on the front there is the altar of incense and the Bible says that's and the coals were taken from the altar outside and put on there and the priest would come and put the incense on and it would be another sweet aroma going up and the bible says these are the these are the prayers these are prayers of the people god's people going up what a wonderful image that constant and, and this this thing had to stay stay burning all the time constantly and, and i believe that's why the bible also says in the new testament it says pray continually because continual prayers are going up we're going to do a little cross-section on the next image and uh, don't worry about too much of all the headings uh, I've done a few of them but I wanted to show you this so you could just get a rough idea on the back end now so we just walked through the holy place and at the back of the holy place is the holy of holies or the most holy place this is the same things and what I would love for us to do is to start living more and more in the most holy place because Jesus says I've come that you may have life and have it to the full 
God wants you to experience life. And yes, there are trials, there are ups and downs. You've heard some of them in the testimonies. God's always with us. But you know what? Even when we're going through the valley, we can, we can live in the most holy place, in the holy of holies. Because what's going on in the holy of holies is that is literally where God is. There's an ark there, you see, A-R-K, and... In that ark, it's like a big chest, probably be like that size. And in there are the Ten Commandments, the two tablets of stone that God wrote the Ten Commandments on. There's uh, Aaron's rod, which budded miraculously, which speaks of authority. And there's the manna of heaven, which speaks of God's miraculous provision um, that he gave the Israelites as they were wandering around the desert. But even more than that, the, there was a lid on the top. It's called the mercy seat. And I don't know whether you can see there, but there's two angels carved facing each other. And there's just this space where God was. And you couldn't put anything there because you can't put an image on God. It, whatever would be engraved or faceted there, whatever they would have tried to put there to represent God wouldn't be enough because he's so supreme. But his presence was there and once once a year you had to be a priest to get into the tent bit and then uh, the high priest would only go into the holy of holies once a year on the day of atonement and his job was to go in and offer prayers and incense on behalf of the whole community of people but he actually went in where God was a mighty, all-powerful. Yeah, all-loving. We love that. And that's great. But an almighty, all-powerful God. So much so that if that high priest had gone in with any degree of flippancy, and I mean he went in with any little bit of hidden sin, that's it. He would be struck down dead. The Israelites knew that. So much so that legend has it that they used to put a a, a rope round the leg of one of the high pri- of one of his legs, the high priest. So when he went in, if he had, if he did go in, and he had committed any kind of sin, and he dropped down dead, they would be able to drag him out because they couldn't get in, so they'd die. And there were there were bells on the end of his frock, whatever it was, uh, so they could hear him moving around. That right, okay, he's all right, he's okay. I think he's confessed all his sins. He's good. What what an amazing picture of our life in Christ right now so much symbology there I I watched some stuff the other day and I was like three or four hours in and I was like oh man this is even more than I thought was in there Um, Jesus foreshadowed but yet God was there and and, and here's the thing here's the thing Um, in fact let's just go to the next slide for me Claire we're going to go and see the temple can you see some resemblance there to the tabernacle? This was the temple of Solomon. Uh, so hundreds of years later, so the Israelites got to the promised land through the wilderness, and they were there. So they didn't need a temporary tent tabernacle. They had a permanent tabernacle called the temple. And again, God gave specific instructions. But again, we see an altar, we see a wash basin, and we see in the kind of inner courts, if you like, and in there was split into two again, 
was the holy place and the most holy place. Interestingly, in the outer courts, and we started this this morning, you might know the scripture, enter my gates with thanksgiving in your heart, enter my courts with praise, and that's why we start by singing in our gathering. That's what, that's what God said in the beginning. He says, look, this is the attitude you should have when you come into, uh, into my presence. Uh, in the outer courts, everything was brass. But as soon as you get in the inner courts, into the temple and uh, into the holy place and the most holy place, everything's gold. Everything's gold. And as we get closer to God, listen to this, as we get closer to God, there's more of a standard to achieve. He expects more the closer we are. The rewards are greater. I mean, just to, I'm not even talking about God doing things for us. I'm just talking about the privilege of getting just another step closer to the Creator. Just itself, just to feel His presence that bit more. We don't need any, any reward is, 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 is a bonus, but just to step closer to him and what happened this temple got obliterated and wiped out as the Babylonians came and God's people were not walking with him and as a result um, you know God disciplines those he loves he disciplined the nation and the Babylonians came in and they decimated Jerusalem and the temple came with that 70 years later if you know your Bible they're back and another temple is built and the centuries go on Jesus comes uh, is, is, is comes on the scene and uh, at around about that time Herod um, was was ruling and he he basically did some renovation renovations to the temple at that time so it was still functioning somewhat as a temple uh, and when Jesus was on the cross you might know this absolutely awesome happening so many amazing things happened when the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice um, of Jesus, which is depicted uh, on the altar there, uh, was the, the, the Bible says the curtain, there was a curtain that divided the holy place to the most holy place, and it ripped from top to bottom. And this was a really thick curtain, inches wide. This was thick, so it wouldn't have been able easy to tear anyway but not only that but it tore top to bottom to symbolize this wasn't man this this was from God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ now was done one time and for all and now all who come through the gate all who repent and believe in him can not only go into the holy place but can go right into the presence of God the holy place represents him coming into us there are three general presences you'll read about this in the book today or tomorrow I can't remember uh, if you haven't done you, you might have read this there's the uh, universal if you like omnipresence of God that God is everywhere you know he, he fills the whole earth with his with his glory and then there's the and that represents like the outer courts and then there's the indwelling presence when we actually step into him he comes into us and he's the seal or the guarantee by his spirit he's in us and we've been saying this the last few weeks his spirit comes to our spirit that is absolutely phenomenal that's incredible to think that God himself comes to live in us but there's more 
And this is what I want to encourage us into tonight. There's more. There's the most holy place, and that is represented by the manifest presence of God. That's when you really just sense him. You Sometimes you might feel like you just need to get on your knees. You're just in awe of him. Sometimes you're just, just enjoying his presence. Sometimes it's that little bit more of what the Bible says, the fear of the Lord, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a respect and a reverence to the creator of the universe and the fact that he's there in your midst. And we can get that individually. We can get that collectively. It happens a lot collectively on nights like this because God loves it when his people are together. It's like this is family time. God loves it when his family comes together. But yet, so often we can hear great sermons, we can believe in great scriptures about the goodness of God, but suddenly we feel that glass door or whatever metaphor you want it. You just feel that barrier, you feel that. And like I say, it could be that God is just saying, not quite now, not quite now, but when we're talking about getting into his presence, there's no time barrier there. He wants us in his presence. We might be going through stuff, but he still wants us in his presence, ultimately his manifest presence. We feel like we don't deserve it. Well, here's a newsflash. None of us deserve it. Not even the best practicing Christian, if I can say like that, in the world deserves to have the manifest presence. But we do through Christ. But that barrier that we sometimes feel, that distancing, if you want to call it that, is down to our sin. And friends, we just need to have a better, I was going to say a better relationship, that's not right, a better understanding of sin. We all sin. It displeases God. It does. I'm going to say it as it displeases God. But you've got to think of it in the bigger perspective of what Jesus did on the cross. He died so that you wouldn't have the penalty. So what we need to do, just as we confessed our sins at the beginning, we suddenly get on the Christian saddle, we have a whoopee-doo time in Jesus, and we jump up and down, and we forget the importance of what it is to confess our sins continually to God, because we're on this journey uh, of what we talked about in week two of sanctification, big Bible word, but it means growing in God. We want to become more like Jesus so that we can get closer to God, so that we can feel his presence, so that the miraculous starts to work more in our lives, so that we have the boldness to step out because God is so with us. We feel like we can take on Goliath in those moments and that's what God wants for us so I'm here basically to do one thing just to remind us about sin I've taken my time getting there because if I just came up and said that it probably wouldn't do it justice and as I said this morning I've come to a place in my Christian life 30 years in and I'm confessing sin. I'm repenting more than I've ever done. Because I had a wrong mindset. I had a wrong mindset of sin. I focused so much on the fact that Jesus died so that, we, so that I wouldn't have to, con- to suffer any consequence for my sin that I didn't see my 
present sin and the present restrictions that it had for me. I didn't see that in the right light. And I didn't see it with the importance that it should have. It's vitally important. It's not vitally important to your eternal salvation. That's sorted. You can stay in the holy place as long as you want. You can enjoy Jesus. You can clap your hands. You can jump up and down in a service. But I'm telling you, there is so much more for us. And if we're going to take the towns and the villages in the south of Nottingham as we believe God wants us to do, I tell you what, it's going to be so much more easier when we are so fired up, full of God, enjoying His presence, not just His presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, as in His gifts, but enjoying His presence. We don't have to perform. We don't have to put on any shows. We don't have, it doesn't matter what we do, particularly in this setting. If the presence of God is here, People can just walk by this place and they can be drawn in and they can end up on their knees. And that's revival. But you know what? Revival starts in your own bathroom when you wake up in the morning and brush your teeth and go to the loo and do what you need to do. It starts with you. It starts in your home. It starts in your private domain. And you can get a revival by stepping in towards God tonight and to do that I don't want to make this sound flippant because sin is serious but you can do that in the knowledge that God has already dealt with the penalty of your sin through Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago and you just have to humble yourself no one likes to admit they mess up or sin but the truth is we do it all the time and if you don't do it every day, then I want to come around and find out what the formula is. Because whether it's something, even something the Bible says that you should have done that you, haven't, that you didn't do. That's sin, the Bible says. There's so much. But it's not like God's racking up and sees all the sins in your life at the moment and all the sins that you're going to do and he's going to sort out. It doesn't work like that. He deals with us in the here and now. And he's dealing with your hearts in the here and now. And he can just speak to you through a feeling deep within. He can convict you of what you just need to say sorry for, what you need to repent of. But it's not just saying sorry. The Bible talks about a worldly sorrow and a godly sorrow. And they look very similar, but they are very different. It's only godly sorrow, a genuine sorrow for what you've done wrong that leads to repentance. And repentance means to turn away from, first of all, in your mind, to change your mind and then walk away from that sin. And as you commit your sin to God, you confess it to God, you turn away from it, He strengthens you, the Spirit empowers you to walk away. You've got to make the commitment. You've got to be in faith. And you need that, particularly if you're in a sin like we might call habitual sin. Something that you've been struggling with. Something that you know is not God honoring. But what happens is after time and time, we kind of put it on the back burner. We know it's not right because we don't focus on it. It becomes a less and less of a priority for us. But it's still the same priority as it was on day one to God today. And friends, this isn't easy on the heart, is it? We don't like this kind of conversation. But I'm saying it 
to us all because I love us all. And sometimes we have to do things that are a bit hard to gain the greater ground. I don't know about you, but I don't want something like, and I'm not minimizing it, something like confessing my sin and being open and vulnerable, particularly as a man. I don't want that to be a barrier to not just me getting close to God, but ultimately other people around me seeing the light and the fire of God in me because I'm so close to him. I want to be like Paul, or was it Peter, in the New Testament and they just walked, they just walked in Acts and Peter, thank you, I thought it was, Peter and he, the, the Bible says even the shadow and it doesn't actually mean the actual shadow like I can see there but it's just like the aura around him, people just got healed. Jesus says you'd do greater things than I did. Now, I'm sure that might have happened, but Jesus kind of, in my mind, reading the Bible, had a queue of people, and he lay hands on them, and they, they were sick, but Peter just walked by them. Because Jesus says you'd do even greater things than me. I want that. Not for me. Hopefully not for me. Maybe that's something we need to repent of, because even the things of God can become idols. Let me bring this into close because I've gone over time. Are you all right with this? Still love me? My name's Ali. I'm your friend. This is one of my favorite scriptures of all time. As well as James 4, 8, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. Um, and it's also one of the most dangerous scriptures of all time. But I'm going to encourage you to pray it with me. Maybe afresh again tonight. Maybe for the first time. And it's from Psalm 139. And it goes like this. Search me. This is from the, ampl- I like the amplified version. Search me thoroughly. This is you praying to God. And you can do this right now in your heart as we're, as we're closing that out. And, and when I think of this, I see myself on God's operating tape, putting myself, signing, signing the, um, I'm getting this, this little lump. Have you seen that recently? my little friend here. Um, I'm getting that taken off in a few weeks. And I've got to sign the forms because they're doing a little local operation. And it's like when I read this prayer, I'm saying, God, I give you permission to open me up, put me on the table, to do, do, do what you need to do. Search me thoroughly, O oh God, and know my heart. He's talking, he's talking about God intimately knowing your heart it's not like day king david when he's praying this to god is saying oh, like, you got to know gotta know my heart god. god knows your heart god knows your heart more than you do and this prayer is saying god know my heart just under tell me what's going on in my heart because the bible says the heart is 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 wicked and deceitful it can be our worst enemy sometimes the way we use it Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So on the table, just Lord, show me. And even now, across this congregation, God is just maybe reminding you, showing you maybe for the first time. Sometimes when the doctor's examining you, he'll, does this hurt? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? Oh, yeah, that does, yeah. All right, okay, we found something. God, God's just messing with you a little bit. He, you know, he's getting, he just wants you to understand that you're okay. You're okay in most areas, but here, here. He loves you. 
says, you're great, you're doing great there, you're doing fantastic there, but actually, if you want more of me, we've got to deal with this. Whatever this is for you is going to be probably totally different for someone else. And he says, see if there is any wicked or hurtful way within me. Why? So that you can be led in the way everlasting. So that you can live your life out in the most holy place. So that you can enjoy your creator in close proximity. Not just living as wonderful it is in the holy place, but in the most holy place. I'm going to finish with one last scripture. God's doing his work. The Spirit's here. And it's from, it's not from Hebrews 10.20, but it says there, it's actually Revelation 3.20. Sorry, I revised my slides in a hurry. Revelation 3.20. Did I put that on, Claire? I did. Where is it then? Oh, you're still doing it. I'll just read it out. It's fine. Um, this is a famous scripture that you might know. Oh, I see what's happening there. Um, this is a famous scripture that you, you might know from uh, like evangelistic crusades. And, you, and it's Jesus standing at the door and knocking. But it's actually him talking to the church. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. Restore him and he with me. I wonder if Jesus is knocking on your glass door if I can metaphorically just bring that as a point of reference tonight and saying look I want you to come in but but I want you to deal with this and remember just before that curtain that divided the holy place the most holy place was the incense altar of incense which was representative of our prayers and I want to end by just inviting people to come and just maybe even kneel before God in reverence to him just confess your sins to him and then maybe just walk away as as a symbol that you're walking away and leaving it at the altar tonight let's stand to our feet you can do that in your seat you can do that where you are now that's absolutely fine and you know what some of us might have to dwell on this some of us might have to come before the Lord and have a have a serious time with him some quality time with him in the week and talk through this with him that's fine but for some of you you will know you just need to deal with this right now and there's no better opportunity than when you're with brothers and sisters and in this atmosphere you can't create this atmosphere in your bedroom you can have God there don't get me wrong but there's something of that supporting network and structure of how God relates to us all so if that's you you can do business with God in the week you can do business with God now in your seat or you can come and do some serious business maybe just kneel at the front say your prayers confess your sins and Kate and I will be here as well if you feel like you want to confess it to someone that's biblical as well you can do that and we'll just help you and pray with you. And let's just see what God does in our closing moments this evening. All to give him glory. Glory.